0: You're listening to SermonCast, the online preaching ministry of Hope Hull United Methodist Church. Be sure to visit us at hopehullumc.org sermons, where you can subscribe to future episodes of SermonCast and browse our archive of past messages. Thanks for tuning in. There is a danger in the life of the church that I think is more prominent now than it has been in previous ages. It's a danger that in some ways works its way in from the larger culture. The church has always been in danger of being influenced by its culture, but perhaps new ages and new periods create new temptations and new problems. Our culture, as you know, is a culture driven by the question, what do I want? What do I prefer? What do I want for lunch? You used to not have quite so many options, did you? What kind of phone do I want? What service provider would I like? Where do I want to live? What do I want to watch today? What do I want to listen to on my way to work? What do I want? And that question is reinforced in a variety of ways, isn't it? It's reinforced in our peer groups. So we get together with people and we talk about what we want and what we have. We get ads that pop up on our phones. You may not know you want one of these, but you do and we'll let you know. And that what do I want mentality has a tendency to work its way into the life of the church at times, doesn't it? Now, it's not always a problem. It's not a problem if what you want is the Gospel. It's not a problem if you're sitting back saying, what do I want in a church? And the question is, I want a church where the Gospel is proclaimed and where my children are faithfully nurtured and where I can walk with other believers as we grow in Christ's likeness. But it's not always like that, is it? Sometimes the what do I want question works its way into the life of the church in unhealthy ways, and you can probably imagine what that looks like. It looks like when non-essential things to the gospel begin to drive the decisions we make. It looks like when popularity or pragmatism begin to drive the decisions we make in the life of the church. I don't think it was as much of an issue years past because it used to be hard to get to churches that didn't satisfy your preferences. Right? When you had to walk... To the parish church, the question of saying, well, this church doesn't meet my preferences and I'm going to go somewhere else that does, wasn't so much an option, was it? You just committed to a local church in your neighborhood, that's where you lived. that's where you went to church, whether you like those folks or not. But these days, we can access church online we can hop in the car and ride for 45 minutes if we want to. And so all of a sudden there's options, and the primary question frequently becomes not, what's the mission and where's the gospel, but what do I want? I don't have to tell you that's not healthy. You are wise enough to discern that on your own. So, when we're faced with the what do I want question, the scripture speaks to that, doesn't it? The question comes up in Acts chapter 15 and chapter 16. Barnabas wants something, Mark wanted something, Paul wants something, and not all of them are going to get what they want, are they? And in the midst of that, there's a mission that's in focus all the way through, isn't it? It's sometimes it's in jeopardy, and at other times it doesn't go the way the actors in the story expect it to, or maybe want it to. But the thing that arises again and again as we get faced with you know, what does Barnabas want, and what does Paul want, and what, is, what does Jesus want comes up in this too, doesn't it? And again and again and again, the question is not what do I want, but where am I called? Again and again and again in this text, whether it's Paul, Barnabas, Timothy, or Jesus. Actually, Jesus gets both of these. He gets prerogative. It is what He wants. For everybody else, the question is not what do I want, it's where am I called? And it comes up in the middle of a conflict story. Now, the conflict story we get in Acts 15, at the end of Acts 15, is unique. We've been working our way all the way through Acts. We've noticed that there have been plenty of conflicts, right? I mean, all it's almost like in every other chapter there's a conflict about something. What do we expect of the Gentiles? Interchurch church conflicts between different factions. Jews, Gentiles, apostles, others. Conflicts with outsiders. The, the, the council and the, the leaders of the early church. But this is the first conflict where we get two individuals who have a difference. Every other time it's been factions or the church versus outsiders. Now we get an individual conflict between Paul and Barnabas. Two key leaders in the story. These guys are out front Doing the, they're the first missionaries, they work together, they're a team, and now they're in a conflict. So it's the first time two individuals have been in a conflict. It's also the first conflict we get in Acts that doesn't get resolved. Every other conflict. They sat down at the table, they prayed together, and they looked for a solution. A resolution on how they're going to be faithful together. This one, they part ways. They go different places. Now, the reason for the conflict is a guy called Mark. John Mark, often associated with the gospel of Mark. And Mark was with them for part of the first journey. The trouble is, he didn't make it very far. And we don't know why it didn't make it very far. Luke, the author of Acts, doesn't tell us why Mark didn't make it very far. Different scholars have different guesses about this, and they are guesses. Some folks maybe think, well, you know, maybe he had an ideological opposition to the mission to the Gentiles, you know? Clearly, that's a conf- matter for conflict in Acts. Not everybody's quite on the same page with this, and so maybe Mark was a little more sympathetic to the Jewish faction, and he wasn't altogether on board with the mission to the nations. And so he decided to head back to Jerusalem. Could be not clear. It's an option. Maybe he was afraid of persecution. I mean, things got a little rough out there, and. It doesn't look like it's going to get a lot better in some ways and maybe I maybe I don't want to die on this missionary trip. Whatever the reason is, Mark goes back to Jerusalem. And the portrayal of Mark by Luke is that he is betraying the mission right? The mission from Acts chapter 1 to the end of it is, we start in Acts, and then we go to the regional areas, and then we go to the ends of the earth, right? You'll be my witnesses, Jesus said in chapter 1, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So it kind of starts in Jerusalem, and 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 you draw the arrow out from there. Well, Mark's arrow started in the nations and got drawn back to Jerusalem. And so he's portrayed as just like Jesus has a calling for His church, and in this instance, He's going the wrong way. And it's put that way by Luke. Paul's objection, in verse 38, 1538, Paul didn't want to take with them one who had deserted them in Pamphylia. He had abandoned the work, we are told. Whatever the work is, the work of the mission, the work of the gospel, Mark abandoned them. He's a deserter. He's like, I know what you're out to do. I know what we're called to do. I know what the mission is, and I'm turning back. And Barnabas takes a different approach than Paul, doesn't he? Barnabas is like, Barnabas is the nice guy. There's a good cop, bad cop routine in here. Barnabas is the good cop. Paul is the bad cop. We'll just go ahead and name it. Barnabas is kind of the encourager. He's like, you know, let's give him a second chance. Grace is our thing. We're like, we're grace people, right? We give people another shot. And, you know, yes, he was wrong. He shouldn't have turned back. He shouldn't have abandoned He shouldn't have deserted us, but he wants to take another shot. I want to take him along, Paul. This is what Barnabas is saying to Paul. Let's give him a shot. And Paul is over there. He's the hardliner on this. He's like, this is too important, dude. This is too important. And he's already shown that he's not on board. He's already shown that he he doesn't have what it takes. He's already shown that he can't persevere. And I'm not taking somebody on a life or death mission who walked away last time. Luke tells us, the dis- disagreement became so sharp that they parted company here's your first church split or at least missionary team split barnabas ends up taking mark and they head off to cyprus which is where they went the first missionary journey going to go check on the churches that are growing there and encourage the believers who were there paul pulls together a new team Pulls together Silas and Timothy, and as we read through Paul's letters later, we hear him talking about, "Hey, here I am, Paul, writing to you. I got Silas. I got Timothy with me. These guys worked together. They 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 did ministry together. They lived together, and they traveled together." The thing we need to see here, we're like if we're looking at this question of what do I want and where am I called, Paul's objection. So Mark going with them rested on the fact that Mark allowed his want to get in the way of his call. Whatever it is, whether it's I don't want to go to them or I'm afraid to go to them, I don't want to die or I don't want to get beat up or thrown in jail, whatever it is, whatever it is, he allowed his want to get in the way of his call. I think Luke puts it there because he invites the readers, whether it's 1st century readers or 21st century readers, to ask the same question. What am I called to do? What do I want to do? And am I going to let my wants get in the way of my obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ and his calling on my life? How do we answer that question? I've got what I want. I've got what I'm called to do. How do the scales balance? Which one is going to matter most to me? Which one is going to be determinative in my life? And the consequences, friends, were significant. The first and perhaps in the early church most dynamic missionary team was divided. Let's not think that the elevation of our wants over our call doesn't have gospel consequences. It certainly does. It always does. When we choose to give ourselves to our preferences over our mission I always wonder who's not going to hear the gospel as a consequence? Who's going to miss out as a result? There are always consequences when we focus on what we want over what we're called to do. For Luke, the question is not, what do I want? It is, where am I called? This still happens. I remember my first year of ministry was in 2005. And I went to this thing called beginning minister school and licensing school. And at the beginning of the event, I think it was kind of a weekend thing at Blue Lake, if you've been there, you know, the chapel looking out over the lake. We're in that room, and they ask everybody there to recount their conversion, and their call. And so there's a group of us, I forget how many, maybe 20, 25 people, and we just kind of go around the circle. Here's how I met Jesus. Here's where I began to feel called to ministry. And I was struck, because I was 25 years old at the time. I was struck by how many of the people in the room, a number of which who are older than me, said something like this on the call part. You know, I felt called when I was in college. But I wanted a house. And I wanted security. And I wanted to be the like I wanted the benefits that come with a corporate job. I was called and I knew it but I chose what I wanted instead of my calling. Multiple people at this event. And the way the story finished up was, hey, now we're 30 or 40 years later, and I'm finally doing what I'm called to do. I was excited that these folks had given themselves to their calling. But there was a sense of regret all the way through. Because of all the things they had, like the credentials and the qualifications and the degrees and the resources, perhaps even the wealth, it felt like a loss to them. Because they picked what they wanted over their calling. Take a minute to think about the implications of that. Take a minute to ask the question about regret. Will I regret choosing what I want over what I'm called to do? In the moment, (laughs) we're not usually asking the regret question, are we? That usually comes later maybe 10 years, maybe 20 years, maybe 40 years later, when we get to a point in life where we look back over our life and we ask ourselves, did I make the right choices? Did I do what I was supposed to do? And did my choices make a difference for the kingdom? They did make a difference. The question is whether they made the right difference. Question is not, what do I want? The question for the believer is always, 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 where am I called? So Paul and Barnabas separate. Barnabas and Mark head to Cyprus. Paul picks up Silas and Timothy. They kind of go north and then west. Through what is called Asia Minor. We actually have a map again. We don't do a lot of extra visual aids, but with all these cities and places, usually I find this to be a little bit helpful. We had to blow this one up a little bit because the first version didn't work, but there it is. Paul picks up Silas and Timothy, and notice again, even with Timothy, there's this, this, this question of what am I called to do and what do I want to do? Guessing Timothy didn't want to get circumcised as an adult, that a scholarly hunch but it looks like he submitted to it for the sake of the mission to concede to the Jewish faction that believed hey if your mama's a Jew and your daddy's a Greek and you're not circumcised yet you need to live like a Jew that continuing identity is important Timothy didn't want to jeopardize the mission, so he submitted to his calling over his, probably, preferences. They head west after that. And we get this list of cities. We're not going to go through all of them, but I'll, I'll highlight two. You can see on the map there, you've got, kind of in the middle, Bithynia. And then below it, you've got Phrygia. And you kind of get this sense, right, as these doors are shut. It's like, we wanted to go here, but the Holy Spirit said no. We wanted to go there, but the Holy Spirit closed the door. We wanted to go here, but it didn't open up. And and you kind of start thinking, like, this is counterintuitive, isn't it? I mean, I thought we were supposed to tell everybody about Jesus. Why is the Holy Spirit keeping them from going to the places where there's people there who need to hear about Jesus? Like, what's the deal? It feels counterintuitive, doesn't it? The point that's supposed to be made, again, is the question isn't about what we want, it's about what we're called to do. Paul wants to go to this city or that city. He wants to head south to Phrygia or north to Bithynia. But the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus we're told, the Holy Spirit has them on a path westward. From Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. And at the end of Acts, Paul is about as far as he goes to Rome, proclaiming the Gospel. And so you can kind of see, right? If you're on the map and you're going from Jerusalem, which would be on the right side of the map, towards the Greek and Greece and Rome on the left side of the map. We're kind of backwards here, so I'm trying to make sure I say left and right the right way. Right? It's almost like, like the Spirit of God is saying, do not turn to the left, Phrygia. Do not turn to the right, Bithynia. Go straight westward. Keep moving. And then Paul gets a vision of a man in Macedonia. Macedonia, you can see, is all the way over on the other side of the map from where they start out. It's kind of the area where Philippi is and Thessalonica is a little bit south of there. And there's a man in Macedonia. He gets this dreams, this vision. It's at night, so it appears to be maybe a dream and a vision. And you'll remember... And the Spirit fell, Peter said, Joel reminded us you're going to see visions and you're going to dream dreams. And now Jesus through His Spirit is directing Paul in this way supernaturally of where Jesus wants Paul to go. Like imagine how long it would take Paul to get to Philippi if he had his way. Well, we're going to stop off in this town for a little while. We're going to stop off in that town for a little while. and We're going plant a church over here for a little while and it might be 10 years before he gets where Jesus wants him to be but for Paul the question is not what do I want it is are you listening to me like come on this is this is this is cooperative my teachers are smiling because you do this with your students right and then they just don't say anything it's a, the question is not what do I want it is where am I called Not what do I want, right? And for Paul, we went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, not there, Paul. Not what you want. Where are you called? When they come opposite of Mysia, they were tempted to go. They attempted to go to Bithynia, right? That's the want question. Where do we want to go? Let's go to Bithynia. It's right there on the map. What are we told? They attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow it. What do we want? Where are we called? So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and that's where Paul got the message. Here's the calling you got to go further than you thought you were going to have to go. It's going to take longer. It's going to be more treacherous. Travel in the ancient world was a dangerous thing. But it's not about your safety, Paul. It's not about your security, Paul. It's not about your preferences, Paul. It's about your calling. you on board or not? And all of us are invited to answer that question in this text. Flip her through with the map. Last few weeks, as I've been thinking about the approach of annual conference and working on some of the things that I'm required to work on in preparation for that, I've had a hymn rolling through my mind, or at least the second verse of a hymn. Hymns by Charles Wesley, John's brother. Titled, A Charge to Keep I Have. Some of you have sung it before. And you may remember the second verse reads this way. To serve the present age, my calling to fulfill. Oh, may it, the calling, may it, all my powers engage to do my master's will. I just can't get away from that last few weeks sharing with you today in the hopes that you won't be able to get away from it ever to serve the present age. The Lord Jesus Christ didn't give us another decade, a different century. He didn't put us in the first century, he put us in the 21st century. We might rather he'd put us under different circumstances. We might rather he not put us in a season where the denomination is in conflict and tension. We might rather lots of things. But Wesley reminds us, the same thing that Luke reminds us is that the question is not what I want. The question is, will I serve the calling that the Lord Jesus Christ has given me? And not only will I serve it, right? This isn't like to serve the present age and I'll just kind of grump along as I do. I'm serving, but I'm not happy about it. No, listen to what Wesley says. To serve the present age, my calling to fulfill, and then he says this, oh may it all my powers engage. All of it. My energy, my intellect, my time, my resources, everything the Lord Jesus Christ has entrusted to me with nothing held back, entirely set apart, entirely given to Him, entirely surrendered, entirely sanctified. To Jesus, for His mission, His will, His purposes, and nothing else. The question for me, the question for all of us, can we say with Wesley, can we say with Paul, may the calling of the Lord Jesus Christ engage every power He's given me. Oh, No distractions. I don't know what our alternative routes could be. Well, let's work on this. Let's go do that. But somehow the Lord Jesus Christ will make known to his people the pathway of his calling. There is an element of discernment here, isn't it? Spirit doesn't just speak to Paul and say go. He gives him a vision of a guy in the place where he's supposed to get to. And the church has the responsibility to discern the Word of God, the Word of Christ in the Spirit. And to go. To do it. Now some people may be thinking, man, I'm not a missionary. I'm not going to preacher school. Isn't this about somebody else, not the regular, like, laity? In our tradition, there are two ministries. There is the ministry of the laity and the ministry of the clergy. Both are ministry, even if they do different sorts of things. Your baptism is your ordination. It's the place where you're set apart for the call of God on your life forever. So the question isn't, well, I'm not a missionary, and this is about missionaries, or or I'm not a preacher. That story about 25 years or 22 years ago, whatever it was, that was about preachers, and glad I'm not in that camp. All of us, all believers, are called to a shared ministry of the Gospel. We are called to be Gospel-speaking people, and we are called to be the kind of people who live lives that commend the Gospel. Like, that's not a That's a baseline minimum deal, isn't it? It's who we are. So I want to be clear on the Gospel. I want to be clear on the good news that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. I want to be clear on the good news that Jesus loved me and gave Himself for me. I want to be clear on the good news that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And I want all of us to be clear on that so that we can be the kind of people who talk about Jesus. And we want to be the kind of people who live in a way that commends the good news that we preach, not detracts from it. Because you know about, you know people can live in ways that detract from the gospel. So that's a baseline. But the question then becomes like, what what else? What is Jesus calling us to as a church, me as an individual? How's he calling me to serve? How's he calling me to give? How's he calling me to work? Like, what is what ministry area am I involved in? Is it hospitality? Is it some sort of teaching or instruction? Is it taking out the trash later on? Because somebody needs to do that this afternoon, right? Like all of this stuff matters for the church to be faithful to its mission. And in every instance, the question, question is not, what do I want? It's, where am I called? In every instance. So all of us are called. All of us. But I want to say this as well. Some of you are called, or will be called, to vocational ministry. You might say, I'm too old, preacher. That's why I told that story about all the retired people who got... (laughs) It's not unusual for the Spirit of God to call somebody in their 50s or 60s to plant a church or to lead one. It's probably more common now than it was in the past. At least that's how it looks. The average age of the ministry candidate has been on the rise for years. So don't say I'm too old for that, because you're not. If your heart's still beating, the Lord has plans for you. Others of you will have children or grandchildren who are called to go to places where Jesus has not been named before. I'll tell you right now, you're going to be scared of that. You're not going to want to let your little girl go to a place where it's dangerous. You might be tempted to act like Mark. (laughs) There's some very safe ministries close to home. You don't have to go to a place where they're after people like that, like us. Let me tell you this right now the worst mistake as a parent you will ever make is to encourage your children not to follow the call of the Lord Jesus Christ on their life. What do I want? Where am I called? What do I want for my kids? What calling has Jesus given to my children? What I want you to see is that this operates at every level and intersection and segment of the life of the church. The question of wants and calls is a question for all of us. In one capacity or another. And when the Lord Jesus Christ speaks to your heart, you do not want to land 20, 30, 40 years later saying I wish I'd done what Jesus called me to do back then. Because the question is not what do I want?